Andrew Edgerton passed away on October 22, 2017. This was after several years of fighting stage 4 pancreatic cancer. After being diagnosed with cancer, Andy tried to fight it. One of the ways in which he felt he could fight it was by helping other people fight it. He had a vision of creating a podcast in which he talked to cancer experts, nutritionists, survival experts, anybody who could give guidance, information, and hope to people fighting cancer like he was. Andy compiled a list of people he wanted to reach out to to interview. Many people were excited and eager to help out. Unfortunately, after the interviews were scheduled, the chemo got in the way. The only recording we were able to do was this one recording right now. A quick note. This recording was done in my kitchen, and sometimes the audio is a little quiet on Andy. And so hopefully we can tell people and educate and get entertained at the same time. Or at least do it in a way where people retain the information. I think that's a good noble goal. Do you, what were some of the higher level, just like what were some of the big hurdles that you encountered? Um, I think the first one is uh, like when you're diagnosed, um, you know, I, not necessarily knowing how to deal with the, the trauma of like a diagnosis like I got. Um, not everybody else is, you know, I, I have a stage four, terminal, all that kind of stuff, um, which is pretty traumatic. And not everybody's going to have that, but um, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't even know who to ask. Like, it would, I got, you know, you ask a psychiatrist, like, hey, how do I deal with, like, that I'm told I'm going to die? I don't know. Like, I don't know what that means, right? And so just to have... I think stories and exposure to like how people have dealt with it is helpful. Would have been helpful for me. Yeah, it's not gonna be helpful for everybody, but it'll help a lot of people. I think at least just be exposed to that. And then again, there's some intrinsic value in just knowing you're not alone. And then there's some practical value or tactical value in knowing that you know here's some strategies that other people use to like get out of the situation or cope with it. Hmm. What were some of the what are some of the things that you feel were are, are almost like common sense now? but you just had no idea, no exposure to way at the start that you wish you knew then? Um, probably mostly is that, uh, you're, I mean, sounds really, I guess, shit, but you're not alone. And not that um, everybody needs other people to validate like how they feel, mm -hmm. um, but having a support network or knowing a support network is there is, I think, incredibly important. <laughs> I had no idea how important a support network would be. Um, I think, um, besides like mental strength or mental well-being, <clears throat> probably the next like most important thing to survive in this stuff is how like how strong is your support network um, because you're gonna fall back on them no matter what um, with this kind of stuff. So okay, you uh, what was the timeline? It was. I think it was 2015, November. Was that when you were first diagnosed? Um, I think that's about right. Yeah. So you don't you don't remember the specific day. It's not like 
I remember where I was when Kennedy was assassinated, or I remember blah blah. blah. You don't you don't no. like have that permanently ingrained. No, I have that permanently ingrained. I've it ingrained totally. There's a couple days. I just don't know the, like the dates. Mm-hmm. Um, no idea what time. Um, I remember when I knew I had cancer. I remember when I got the biopsies. I remember when they told me. I remember where I found out. Like I found out I had cancer. Then I remember where I found out I had stage four cancer. Oh wow! All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember. Really so it cool. went through waves. It's not like it's not like one day. It's like, hey, surprise! Here's everything. You have like a series of moments of, like, oh, I'm sorry, it's cancer. Oh my god, it's more serious than we thought. It's this. <laughs> you have it like it's kind of ramping up on you the whole time. Is that is that fair? Um, I mean, in my situation, that's probably right, but that's not how it's supposed to go. So like, you know, I was apologize too. Uh, in terms of how it was disclosed. Uh, but yeah, you know, in general, there's, I, I would assume, a normal ramping process just in the discovery phase, unless they like do exact cancer tests, which, you know, at least for me in pancreatic, there aren't very many symptoms that are overt. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was jaundice, they thought it was pancreati- uh, pancreatitis, which is inflammation of the liver, mostly from drinking. It didn't fit the bill. And then they did more tests and more tests, found that it actually moved to my liver too, you know. And Jeez. so, like, whatever. At first I was worried. I was like, oh, this is hyper aggressive. But a little more, you know, about cancer, it doesn't necessarily mean that it jumped from, like, my pancreas to my liver in, like, 10 days. Although that's what I thought, at least initially. So, like, um, I don't know. You know. I don't remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been through it exactly. Yeah. So, what was the original question? Um, how did you like? You, it sounded like you didn't find. It wasn't like there was one day where it's like, oh, yeah, "Sir, yeah. you have cancer." It's this, and then you have that one moment onwards. It sounds like it was like a series of revelations. Yeah. So no, they didn't really. Basically, it was five days, and then not knowing what was what was going on. So the GI that I had was really good, but he. Uh, you know, I mean, they still have to wait for biopsies. So they went down my throat with a uh, procedure called an ECRP. Basically, a tube they stick down. Then within the tube, they stick down a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And they clipped out a couple pieces of my pancreas and my liver. Some spots that look bad. And they came back as as uh, melanoma. And, um, you know, that was kind of like whatever. And so, like, it was kind of weird. That you know, the first doctor to tell me was a, a assistant of the GI, and he came in. He's like, "Oh, he, he had bad English, and he uh, had even worse bedside manner." He comes in, he's like, "Oh man, so you uh, you have a liver now?" I'm like, "I do." He's like, "Yeah, that's what it says." I'm like, "Okay, are you a doctor?" He's like, "Yeah, I work with your main doctor." I was like, "Okay." He's, I was like, "So what is it?" He's like, "Probably cancer." I was like, "What?" You know? Oh, God. <laughs> like, like, ah. Oh, fuck, my man. God. Like, and then, yeah, he was whatever. So he's like, yeah, it's probably cancer. I was like, oh, that sucks. And he's like, but don't you think about it now. No, I shouldn't do the accent. He's like, don't you don't you worry about it now. And I was like, dude, <laughs> fuck you. I told him to fuck off. And he was like, don't be rude. I was like, fuck you. Just, like, don't come in and, like, say, like, I have cancer. And then, like, be like, don't think about it. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't feel bad. Yeah, that that sounds pretty horrific to just break it to someone in that way of, oh, yeah, cancer. 
no worries, Hakuna Matata, and then like wander out and expect everything to be okay. Right, and some like terrible movie like on TNT was on too, like you know, I don't know, <laughs> Meet the Parents too, or Meet the Fockers too, or some, some shit like that. And I was just like, oh, fuck, I hate life. <laughs> I just, you know, this guy was just whatever. So anyway, I had to gather all my mental strength and I'm feeling like, yeah, full of people being like, dude, man, like, this is what this guy said. Anyway. Um, after that though, no, it, it took a little bit and then, um, I pushed on the results and ended up going to the lab basically and getting the results and they probably shouldn't have, I mean, they, they broke protocol because I asked for it. They should have done is had a doctor tell me in a certain way and, um, they kind of tried to backtrack, but anyway, I, I got the results and I was like, I was with my mom, I was like, She's like, what? I'm like, I have cancer. And I showed my mom, and she looked. And, you know, it was one of those where, like, really, my mom's super optimistic all the time. But she didn't have anything to say. She was just kind of like, shit. Jeez. <laughs> right? We're just both like, so I'm kind of like, kind of numb, kind of like whatever. Yeah. My first thought is like, oh, I got to do something. So I'm like, okay. I was like, call this person get going on trials call this person that's like whatever my mom same thing we both just started like we got to do something we can't you launch in the problem solving mode right away man that's what we did but it was really weird and i remember walking out and my mom was like don't freak out don't freak out don't freak out i'm like fuck you i'm freaking out <laughs> pancreatic cancer and liver cancer yeah. i know what that is and it said stage four or it didn't say stage four sorry and then the next day we go to like my oncologist, new oncologist. She thought I knew I had stage four and I didn't. And so she started talking and then like all the stuff was like really weird. I'm like, what? And she's like, well, you have stage four. So and I was like, what? Oh my God. And I didn't know. And then she's like, you didn't know. I'm like, no, I didn't know. She's like, you didn't know. I'm like, I didn't know. She's like, you didn't know. I'm like, I didn't know. She's like, you didn't know. I'm like, I didn't know. She's like, you didn't know. I'm like, I didn't know. And so, <laughs> sorry. and so at some point I had recoiled from the news into the corner, like physically trying to get away from like the explanation or diagnosis or prognosis, or whatever. And I was up like I had, like a, like exorcist style, like walked backwards up a chair. If that makes sense, I don't know how it happened, but I kind of like came to where I was kind of just like, oh my god. And um, I remember looking at my parents, and they were kind of like, you know, gave me a look. I don't know if this makes any sense. They gave me a look without talking of like, hey, we're totally on your team. What do you want us to do? That's awesome. Like, we don't know what you want us to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, we got your back, but like, where, what direction are you moving on this one? There's no instruction manual at that stage, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, whatever you need, man. You know, like we got the car started or like sort of swinging, throwing punches or do you need jello? Like what, like what, whatever. It's yeah. a nice range of options. Multiple choice there. They brought in, um, this like 25, 24 year old psychiatrist because they thought I was having, I need to be talked down and, um, I, um, I basically took, like, all my anger out on him. Oh, no. Like, he just got destroyed. Like, you know, um, I remember talking to my dad, 
And I was like, well, I looked at it as you destroyed this poor guy's ability <laughs> to do his profession. That uh, it was a learning experience for him. And if he was doing this, like he needed to have this, this would this wouldn't be the first time that he would come across a you. Right. So fuck him. It's what my dad was basically like. He's like, you know, whatever. I'm on your team. I don't care about him. Yeah. I was like, right on, man. And my mom was like, yeah, fuck him too. I was like, even better, mom. All right. Uh, so anyway, like whatever. I don't know. You kind of destroyed him. Anyway, that oncologist ended up quitting uh, after me literally that minute. Because she couldn't handle the emotional side of, like, telling people they have, like, deadly cancer and shit. Wow. Um, but I think, I mean, it, which, you know, every single ever doctor I've ever told the story to, they're always like, good, she shouldn't, like, she shouldn't be there if she can't handle that. And they're like, same thing with the psych. They're like, no, those are high pressure, those whole, all those jobs, you know, going in, like, you can't be naive on that. Right. Deal with it. You were talking about the weirdness of being poisoned in a chair with a bunch of other people. You are one of the younger people at the the, the chemo center that you go to. That I is think true. That me. is true. And like, yeah. I'm sure there's some demographic you know differences where there's like younger chemo shit, and then obviously there's like the children's like chemo area where we're not. Right. So like, I don't know what the age cutoff is. I assume it's 18, but don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, in general, in general, I'm by far the youngest. Um, but then again, every now and then you get somebody who's 20 something mm. that comes in for whatever. And then yeah. there's some people that, I mean, there's some 30 year olds as well. Um, those tend to not be my types of cancer though. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know the demographic breakdown. I don't, you know, I don't think you're sure. Like it's not a, it's not a good sample size just from what I've seen. They tend to be more like Hodgkin's lymphoma or something like that. Got it. And then you started writing, you started writing these thoughts that you've been sharing on Facebook. You like thoughts from, do you, do you like my segue there? I've been, I've been studying NPR. That was pretty good. Thanks, man. That, that was really a kick, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, uh, you, you started doing uh, thoughts from the chemo chair. So that wasn't originally a Facebook post. That was not, is that what you said? Yeah. I uh, think that's what I said. You just were, I think you were just like originally writing those. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was kind of just trying to figure out a way to update my family or just everybody, um, I have a bigger family than some, and, um, my brother actually got cancer, my older brother, I think I said before maybe, but he, uh, ended up doing a blog, which was really nice, partly because, you know, after a while it's hard to inform a lot of people. Right. I mean, it really is, like when you're in the middle of stuff. And so when you have a central place to distribute information, it's helpful. So I just started to kind of write up these things. And um, whereas my brother actually talked about cancer, I tend not to talk about cancer <laughs> at all, apparently. But yeah, and I just started throwing them on Facebook, and people tend to like them. So. And what's the, how would you describe, like, what's the tone, what's the inspiration for those things? Um, you know, the tone kind of get. Tone's hard to talk about because I'll I'll just kind of extemporaneously like pull up some stuff or pull out some stuff or come up with stuff. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't ever like I don't read them twice. I don't spell check them. It's just kind of thoughts that I have when I'm sitting there. Um, and I'll make notes and then I kind of you know extrapolate on whatever that is. Um, and <clears throat> they tend to be. I guess 
entertaining for people. You know, some people find some of the stuff um, uh, eliminating, I guess, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't really answer your question. No, no. That, that answers it. You, yeah. They come off top of your head. You don't try to edit them. You keep it very stream of conscious. Are you just like hammering them out, or is it like over the course of the day you'll periodically pick up your phone and type out a couple more? Um, so to be totally honest, like those are I just those just that's my mind just kind of riffing itself. It's awesome. I don't know if that's awesome or crazy. <laughs> I think either is fun. <laughs> you know, like basically I'll sit down. Um, the truth is, I get a chemo, or when I get my chemo injection, I get a steroid. Mm-hmm. blast before I get the chemo blast and that's just help the body um, kind of accept the chemo better and uh, the steroids keep me up all night so I tend to just take the thoughts that I had which I'll make notes on my phone and I just kind of write them out huh um, you know and some of them have a stream of consciousness where you know there's a red thread some of them don't mm-hmm. those are smaller story arcs you know, that don't really have that much in common with each other. I mean, some of them do. I don't know. Hmm. So, uh, what would be... Huh. Like, what... Uh, I kind of want to keep things positive, but, like, you, it's like the negative stuff is probably more story-worthy. I, like, I kind of want to be like, what's the weirdest response you've gotten from all of this? Yeah, that's right. Weirdest response from... Yeah, like... People finding out about this might be unfair as this person may then listen to the podcast. So you can speak in generalities and be like, <laughs> in general, it's weird when this happens. I think you know, um, the weird part for me is the positive parts mm-hmm. and then trying to explain those or the positive parts and then being sensitive to people who haven't had a positive experience. I mean, that sounds like an obvious, like with cancer, but like. There's been a lot of positive things for me, too, um, which we can get into at some point. But, like, that's been surprising. And then with people, though, it's um, kind of a lack of self-awareness, maybe, of, like, magnitude. And what I mean is, you know, someone would be like, oh, hey, oh, yeah, here you had stage 4 cancer and you're going to die. Oh, my God. That reminds me of my carpal tunnel. Oh, my God. And you're like waiting to see if they actually get, like, the, you know, it's a lot of scope or... Right. It doesn't quite jive. And, like, most of the time they don't. <laughs> you sit there and you're like, all right, man. So like, that yeah. carpal tunnel works out for you. Yeah, I missed the bus today. Yeah. yeah. It was okay. The next one was, was on t- was a little early, so I was only five minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And nobody cared. And the world went on. It was fine. Yeah, I had sweet potatoes for lunch. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of like, I think that was surprising just because people are a little bit in their own world and, you know, you kind of not, you kind of tend to not blame people after a little while. Like, maybe the first one you're kind of like, oh, how rude, or like, mm. you know, there's a little venom you throw, and after a while you're like, no, it's, it's people, it's how people are. And some people get it, and some people don't. Some people huh. need to be told, and then, you know, I found, excuse me, that like, when you kind of tell people some stuff like that, 99.9% of people are embarrassed that they didn't know and then apologize and huh. quickly change their behavior. You know, because nobody's like trying to be insensitive. 
right? Fact, the people who tell you about the carpal tunnel are trying to be empathetic, right? That's their way of being like, oh, it sucks for you. Yeah, they just don't realize that the way that they present themselves is absurd. Right. In honor of Andy's memory, we're going to continue this podcast. We're going to reach out and talk with everyone that he wanted to talk with. Our hope for this podcast is to do what Andy wanted to do, to give people hope, to give people information, and to help people that are fighting cancer.